you're not going to have the ease of that. And we should at least enjoy this as best we can. So for us, it was it was sort of like a moment of like, what is important? What is success for us? And it was like, I don't want to be distressed. I want to remember that I like doing this. I want to feel good about the work we're doing. And we don't need all the money in the world. We just need like enough, you know? Most days that, that still feels like the right choice. Welcome to Imprint, a podcast about creating a home and life you love. I'm Natalie Walton, an interior designer, stylist, and best-selling author focused on an holistic approach to homes. Each week, I'm sharing insights and interviews about the creative process to help you enhance both your interiors and well-being, as well as provide you with the tools and resources to make considered and sustainable choices with all that you create. Hello everyone, welcome to Imprint. I'm excited to share my conversation today with Tara Mangini of Jersey Ice Cream Company. Some of you will be familiar with her work with Percy Bright, who is her partner in both love and life and business. And um, together they have embraced an unconventional approach to designing homes. Basically, they move into the home for sometimes up to a year at a time, and they embrace a very intuitive approach to the spaces that they create. They're very hands-on, and they work just the two of them together. And while it is certainly not a fast way to create a home, these are homes very much created in a timeless and classic way. And I first came across her when I interviewed her about 10 years ago for a magazine. And the feature that I wrote about still holds its own. It still feels very much like it could have been completed last month. And that's a testament to them and their work and their design. And they have recently got a TV show that is on the Magnolia Network in the US and North America, and it's called The Story of Home. So for those of you who um, who are in those territories, I encourage you to go and check it out. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoy my delightful conversation with Tara Mangini, and I'm so excited to share it with you today. Hi, Tara. I'm so happy to have you here on the podcast and to to chat with you about your work, your creative journey and all the things. So um, I always like to kind of start at the beginning and just kind of get a bit of an insight into, you know, you and your childhood. And if you had any inkling that you would be doing what you're doing now at this kind of chapter in your life. So Maybe you could give us a little bit of an insight into, you know, where you grew up, maybe the type of home that you grew up in. Was it a creative home or, you know, was it completely opposite to what you're doing now? Um, yeah, I'd love to have a little bit of an insight into the young Tara. Sure. First, I just want to say hi. Um, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, it's really nice when someone wants you to just talk about themselves for an hour or something. So I'm always happy to do that. Um, 
Okay, young Tara. I think um, I have three brothers and my older brother, especially, you know, was sort of like, obviously the one I was following. So I, I think growing up, it was almost just, he was kind of like, very smart, more of the like math science person. And I think just, I don't know if it was in me or as a reflex just to be different. I was like, great, I'll be the creative person, you know? So I think young me was drawing and singing and dancing and doing stuff like that. Um, but I don't really feel like I grew up in a time or a house where that really seemed like that would be a job. Um, I definitely didn't have any role models who were doing anything like that. That was not really on my radar at all. Um, so it was just kind of like, I mean, I definitely remember being, you know, like a seven-year-old and being like, I'm going to be a Broadway singer, but it was like, okay, whatever. Um, and then, yeah, as I got older, I really didn't think about doing anything creative as a career. It was just not anywhere in my mind or life or no one at school was suggesting it. It just wasn't a thing. Um, but I didn't, I mean, I guess I was like, I guess I'll study English. That feels like the most creative thing. You know, like I just really didn't know. Um, so it's, it's possible to go back in time and pick out pieces and make the story make sense. But I definitely didn't see it coming for sure. <laughs> yeah, I studied English too, so I can relate to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're like, that was close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and so what about then in those later school years where you're at the point where you start having to make a decision about what you're going to do after school, maybe college or after college, you know, what was on your um not periphery, but, you know, like what, what were you sort of thinking about at that point? And then how have you then transitioned into this world of, you know, working on homes and we'll get all, all into that in more detail, but I'm just kind of interested in that, that journey of sort of like the, the sort of late teen time and mm -hmm. early twenties, you know, where you're sort of starting to think, what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, I, I really think I had no idea. Um, I went into school, into college as a communications major, which feels the same as English. It's just like a broad word that we don't know what this means, but it's not math or something. I don't know what that is. Um, and I started doing that and I felt really bored. Uh, I was like, this is, this is not it. Um, and literally what happened to me was that our school had a visual communications program. And I saw that that meant you got to take some art classes. And I like clicked a button. I was like, I'll do that. That's great. A little bit of whatever communications is and some art stuff. Cool. That sounds good. Clicked on it. Had like no idea what I was doing. Um, and it just ended up that my school had actually like a really good visual communications program that was more like you know, advertising, graphic design, photography, that kind of thing, as opposed to fine arts. Um, so I started out just doing fine arts classes and, you know, it's like drawing 101, all that kind of stuff. And at some point you have to make a decision. Are you going to apply to the program? Are you going to just be a fine arts major or just kind of quit this altogether? And it was really just something I 
I just fell into, like, thank God, and had made some friends who were like, try the program. Like, my definitely instinct would be not to do it. You know, that feels a little bit scary. That feels like kind of rules and computers, and I'm not really that person. I won't do it. But luckily, I had some friends who were like, you should try. You should just you put yourself out there and try. And then so ended up in this really tiny art program that I just think really opened up this whole, I didn't even know this was a possibility. I didn't know what a graphic designer was. I didn't know like any of that. None of it was just anything in my life. So I felt like, oh, wow, there's this whole other world of careers you could have. Um, And in the moment, I was also just like, this feels more fun than like studying for an exam or writing a paper. We're just taking photos or making ad campaigns or, you know, fake magazine layouts, all that stuff. And it was like, this seems better than what my friends are doing. So I just kind of like went with it with, with no real plan, very classic me. Like I studied photography in that program because it was still like the loosest of the bunch um, and kind of gave me a lot of room to just try stuff out. Um, not have to work too, too, too hard, but still work hard. Uh, all things that really still resonate with me. Um, and uh, kind of just graduated, like, not really knowing what that would mean. I mean, having a photography degree is still sort of like a question mark, question mark. <laughs> um, I feel like this answer is going to get like 45 minutes long. So I can't tell if I should <laughs> cut off. <laughs> so, so then what, at what point then did you sort of, so you were dabbling in this course, you know, doing these different subjects. So then, then what though, you know, like, and did you have any pressure from your family of like, okay, now Tara, you know, it's time to go and get a real job kind of thing. Or were you more free and loose than that? I guess, you know, in that kind of creative sense. I don't really think I felt that pressure. Um, I had gotten an internship at some point in art buying and that was like, that became like, I guess that's what I'll do. You know, that seemed like I had a stepstone to that. So, you know, I was applying for jobs like everybody else after school and trying to get like a real job that would pay me a salary and all that good stuff. Um, and like managed to do that quickly enough that like there wasn't the, the sort of like, what are you going to do period didn't come till like down the road. Um, Cause I started out sort of, yeah, I had a job. I had a job in New York City. I went to an office. I worked all weekend, like the classic, you know, trope. Um, It was in advertising. It was really exciting at first. It got really miserable at the end. You know, it's just all that stuff. But everybody had a job and everybody hated their job and everyone was young and everybody was just on IM all day being like, this job, too much work, but somehow we're just chatting away all day. Um, and, and still at that point, it was like, there was still, there was still no plan. And there was a feeling of like, this probably isn't it, but I don't know what, what it is. It's just probably not this. Um, 
go ahead go ahead yeah no I was gonna say so when when, when I no 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 well when I first came across you and I was just trying to like do a quick math in my head I mean it must have been like at least 10 years ago maybe even longer because I interviewed you when I was working I think it was at I don't know if I was a real living, but definitely when I, I did some freelance work for Country Star magazine, and that's when you had done, and I can't for the life of me remember the name of the project, although I can visualize, I know exactly what it looks like. Like I can <laughs> picture the like. Tell me what it looks like. Oh my gosh. Well, there was like, um, because <laughs> the reason I say this, because, you know, I actually got on the cover of Country Star, I think, and it was a cream kind of kitchen um, I think brass taps and there was like a gray wooden bench top and then there was a section on the side where it's like cookbooks could kind of go and in the for the cover they photoshopped that out so it was like a continuous continual cabinetry I remember like these are the things that oh. I remember anyway it was um it was one of those kind of earlier kind of projects that mm-hmm. you you worked on so I remember we were in contact then and um I think a couple of times, you know, like maybe for another article as well. So then what was then your journey from going? um, And I remember being fascinated by how you were, you know, we'll get into this, like, you know, you would immerse yourself in these projects and you and Percy would sort of stay in the homes. And, um, and there was this beautiful one as well. I mean, they're all beautiful, but there's this beautiful one that was like, had been a wedding venue or something um mm. anyway mm-hmm. I, I, sh- I should have the names but maybe I'll quickly surreptitiously oh, look it up on the website <laughs> but um and yeah so then how do you get from advertising to suddenly staying in somebody's home for like I don't know months on end or however long you would do it working with plaster what 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 happened <laughs> I know I mean honestly like it, it, it happening to me felt like a miracle at the time it was and my friend Joey will yell at me for using that word miracle. But um, so I had the job in advertising. I I don't know what I would have done, but like I had an angel of a friend there who was like, I'm quitting this job. This job is bad. Uh, you sh- I'm going cross country and you should come with me. Um, I, I already like have everything figured out. You sort of just need to like pay your way. And I was, you know, 25. I was like, okay. Um, so I just quit my job with her. My boss was like, I hate you both. Like you guys are quitting at the same time. Like, what is wrong with you? Um, and we went cross country and we were both sort of in that mindset of like, is it New York or is it somewhere else? You know, the classic. Um, so we went cross country, like sort of drove the whole country, came back and felt very like it is New York. And, uh, even though the story would make no sense with that tidbit um but then I came back and it was like I'm living in New York uh I was working at like a vintage dress shop I was making you know like $15 an hour needless to say I had to leave the city because I was just living on a credit card after some point um and then I moved I moved to Philly because it was like cheaper close to my family and I was just waiting tables there and I was feeling very self-conscious I, I I really like waiting tables like I'm good at it I like it it's fun um I was just talking to my friend we're like that is who we are like at our core like that feels the most true of me um but I felt like 
uh, a little bit of a failure at the time. I, I definitely remember going to dinner with friends and doing a lot of uh, entertaining to try to like cover up for the fact that like everybody else had a real job and I was doing this and I had like no plan. I All I knew was that I really felt, <laughs> I really felt my soul dying in an office and I really felt like that wasn't for me. Um, and I just didn't know everything I wanted to do was so lofty. It was just all my same childhood dreams. I was like, I want to be a singer. I want to be a writer. What do I do? Like, these are not easy jobs to, to jump into. And I really had no idea I had, I just, I didn't know what to do. Um, I was, I actually like, I got a singing waitress job, you know, I was like, maybe I will try to sing. I mean, it was just one of those feelings. And I thought, I'll probably be a waitress forever. Maybe I'll manage the restaurant. That was kind of where I was at. Um, but lo and behold, uh, I met Percy. He was in a very similar spot of like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing with my life, but I bought this house and I'm fixing this house up, which was like completely insane. You know, like we were young and broke and like just getting margaritas every night. Like that was what was happening. And then he like owned this house, which was so strange. Um, but he was like, yeah, I'm fixing it up and I want to go to flea markets and buy stuff. And I was like, oh, I love going to flea markets. You know, I love going to flea markets buying one little old photograph for 50 cents. That's kind of where I was at. And it was like, we're going to go and like buy furniture for my house. And so we went to Brimfield, then all, then it like, then the whole story begins. It's like, we went to Brimfield, we started buying vintage furniture. It was like feeling that out of like, I like this. Do you like this? It's $50. Oh God. Like so, such a tiny kernel of the beginning. Found the Jersey Ice Cream Co. stamps, like all the things happened at this first flea market. And then it just it just really grew from there. Um, so how long ago like was I'll, that approximately? How long ago was that? That was like twelve years ago. Yeah, I just found actually that the ha- the kitchen I was referring to is the old Chatham farmhouse. I'll link to it in the show notes. Yes, I um, the, the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The chopping wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The timber yeah. cabinets. Yep, yep. I just I had to like it was like they itch I had to scratch to find out like I knew <laughs> um, okay so 12 years ago and so where where did he have his house was that in Philly mm-hmm. yeah in right. Philly okay and um okay so and then you were still working while helping him do up this house totally yeah I was definitely still waiting tables and uh, even that like at some point you know at some point we were like had an Etsy shop then we kind of started to do we like sent our work out to design sponge which was really like the first let's see if we could maybe trick someone into thinking we're a designer moment and then when they published that it really felt like we got we got you know a tiny job fixing someone's kitchen up or like putting in some closet shelves you know it's like the beginning um but I, I really wanted to get back to New York. We really wanted to try to see if we could really do this. And Percy was like, you've got to quit your job. I was so afraid. <laughs> um, because it just felt so crazy still, like, to take that leap. And I remember, like, 
very, the same cycle happened again, where it's like, I tell my boss I'm quitting and everyone's like, we'll see you back in a month. Like, no one thinks it's going to go well. The boss thinks, what a stupid choice. Everyone's like, oh God, um, these two idiots. Um, and everybody was nervous. I'm sure my parents were nervous. They're like, oh God, what are they doing? Like, they're selling ribbons on Etsy for like $10. Like, this is not good, guys. Um, but slowly, you know, slowly we started to get like a couple, a couple more jobs and we were on the Nate Berkus show like a hundred million years ago and our parents came to the taping and that was one of those things we could feel. They were like, maybe they're not totally idiots. Like maybe they're going to be okay. Um, and then we got our first like real full house client job. And I mean, at that point for me, I was like, this is unreal. Like we have made it. I would have never expected this. Like, what just an absolute blessing like somehow we're in this person's house messing around with paint doing like whatever we want creatively they're paying us like pennies but we are so excited uh it just was it was like never in my wildest dreams you know it felt it felt like such a shock to me it still feels like that to me sometimes and so was Percy um, handy and would you consider yourself handy? Like in terms of like what, you know, how much were you doing structurally? Um, and, you know, I, I like I'm guessing that this is kind of pre-YouTube having every single tutorial that you can imagine on there. Like mm -hmm. how did you learn to do all this stuff? YouTube YouTube was, was up and running. So it was, it was very much there that Percy learned a lot of stuff because he had bought the house thinking he would uh, hire out the work and then got laid off. It was like the recession of some year. And uh, he, yeah, he like had some contractors who sort of like caught him some stuff, but there's a lot of YouTube watching for sure. And he's just, he is not like me in that he is undeterred by, or he isn't deterred by anything. Um, so he's just like, I don't know, I'll like watch the video twice. And then he's like, all right, I think I can probably do this. And then just does it, no fear. Um, so he just learned a lot of that stuff by just, yeah, like a, a need to do it basis really, which is like kind of how everything happened. Like even on our first project, I mean, I don't, I hadn't really done anything. I had like painted my apartment, my apartment walls and decorated them with trash from the streets like I, it really wasn't like oh I've I've done all this it was just like well we kind of did it on the house and how hard could it be and Percy felt confident and then he he had the plastering under his belt and like I don't know we just it's the classic like we knew so little we didn't even know that we should have any feeling about what we didn't know. We were like, yeah, we got this. Totally fine. Like not thinking of the client's like, well, have you ever designed a kitchen before? Or, you know, it's like, well, we did Percy's. Like just, we were so naive. The bar was so low. The pressure was so low. I had no idea what an actual interior designer did, like how they ran a business. You know, it was just like, 
we were just making it up as we went and it was kind of going okay. And so we just kept going with it. Um, it's, it's crazy for me to think about in retrospect, like our second project, the client, you know, the early projects are insane to think about. They're like, the budgets are just insane. Um, insanely low. Uh, the client was like, you know, classic, like we have this small place upstate, kind of do what you want with it, whatever you think's best. We'd like to have a guest bedroom. Like it was, you know, the brief is quick. We like took down every wall in that house, rearranged everything, moved the kitchen, and we didn't even ask them. Like, I don't even know what was happening in our brains. We were just, we were very in contact with our intuition and we were like going with it and we were not afraid. And I don't know why. It's really strange to think about now. <laughs> and so then what about then, like, did they give you a budget and sort of said like, this is your budget for it. And you just had to then, cause obviously you still yeah. have to buy supplies, materials, all of that kind of yeah. thing. Like how, and how, I mean, I know you said it was in terms of the budget was insane, you know, or your fee, but I mean, how, how did you work out what to charge? Because that's something that so many people struggle with, particularly when they're starting out. It's like, how do you work out what to charge for your services, um, you know, given the amount of time that you put in as well? It's so funny because in the beginning, I the first two projects, I think, were the same where they were like, we have, we have $40,000. And we were like, okay, that's fine. We'll do it. And like we didn't even care i mean for the first project we didn't care at all we were like we have forty thousand dollars to do the best job we can possibly do the fact if we if we bank anything at the end cool but like let's do as much as we can with the money and we were like not factoring in our time our time was worthless um so it's just like okay let's just do what we can and the second project i think was like very similar it was like we've got $35,000 and we were like, great, we'll rebuild this house. Like it was, it was just, it was those like good early years where you're just excited and you don't have any ego and thinking like, I should be making this, or I really hope I walk away with this. It was, or the client's expecting this fancy thing from me. It was like, there was, really no expectations that we were putting on ourselves except for like we want to believe in the work and if we walk away with five grand incredible <laughs> uh it's it good <laughs> and, and i think one of the things that you you kind of did well from a very early stage was getting your spaces photographed was that something that you did or organized or were you kind of what you know because I think, you know, the fact that you kind of have this, um, you know, like even this project that I'm talking about referring to, I mean, like you said, you know, I mean, that's, I don't know, whatever, 10 years or whatever it is ago, um, you know, you've got these beautiful images that still stand the test of time on your website. How did that come about, this sort of thought of like, we should document this and, um, you know, get professional. Did you take the photos for those early projects or did you, you did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it was enough into sort of blog culture that that seemed like the ticket, like 
that was how we got Percy's house out to the world. So that was sort of our only mode of advertising that we even considered. Um, it was like, we'll just do work. We'll photograph the work. We'll put the work out. We'll get the next job. I mean, honestly, that's still, that's kind of still the format, but um, I don't remember thinking a lot about it. I just kind of remember doing it and, and having those moments of like, isn't it so great that I studied photography so I could take some photos and like, it's a perfect world. Everything's full circle, like very, it's all meant to be feelings and like, oh, how nice that we actually also did graphic design so we could like make ourselves our website. Like there was a lot of feeling of like, weird we sort of have a lot of things we can use that we need to cobble this together and were you using plaster finishes in those early projects I think you were weren't you kind of ahead of the yeah. curve in the sense of like obviously now you know it's such a big thing what what inspired you to use that as a finish and um yeah I'm just kind of curious did you have to get buy-in from from the homeowners or were they just like do whatever you want mm. <laughs> I mean we didn't run anything by the homeowners uh they didn't even know what was happening but I'm sure they were pumped when they saw it um it was something that Percy uh, like Percy's mom's friend's son worked for the company that did the plaster anthropology and it was like, hey, I mean, we were still broke. Uh, so it was like, you could get a job doing plaster with them. And we were kind of starting to get the inklings of maybe we want to do interior design. And we were like, if you could learn how to plaster and then we could use that in our projects, that'd be really sweet. Um, so he worked with them for like a year or two just like traveling around going to like texas and doing these like enormous anthropology stores just plastering getting all that practice in um but i remember we did the bedroom in his philly house was like the first time we did it like at home and he was kind of like okay <laughs> uh i have no idea if i saw those walls today what i would think but that was like the first time we did it that was the very first project and now I feel like that's, you know, such a big part of what you're known for. Um, can you sort of then share, obviously, you know, that was sort of my touch point with you was then. And I mean, I remember listening to your interview um, on Pet Beth Kirby's um, podcast and sort of, you know, as your journey was progressing. Mm -hmm. And I know you've sort of done um, courses where you sort of teach people. That's right, isn't it? That you sort of done that. So what about then now, like, where are you at now in terms of, um, I mean, I, I saw that you're doing hooker green. Is that right? Mm, yeah, we're, mistaken? we're yeah. in the middle of doing plaster for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, which is, you know, an amazing space that I've, you know, been enjoying watching that come to life, but how much, um, like how much work are you doing, you know, it, in the process of like from what you were doing before where you were like going and staying in places for a month or whatever it was and you know getting this sort of mm -hmm. free range like how does it look different or similar to what you were doing you know 10 years ago um it actually i mean the, the plaster is sort of like a a la carte 
thing on the side that like is easy for us to be able to do for people and doesn't like take too much from us you know like we can do it it takes a couple weeks it's not like an enormous year or like six month commitment so that is like sort of in its own little bucket over here um but I mean funnily or to me like the work actually looks really similar the only difference is like our last project was just a house that we own so like there were no clients involved but the process was exactly the same except much more drawn out and uh and um just you know even though our clients we've been so lucky like honestly so many of them had no idea what we were doing and trusted us and just were like have at it we'll see it when you're finished there's still like a little angel in your brain and you're thinking well they like it is this what they want you know so the, the only difference is that there was no client in our brains it was just us in our brains but like the process is really the same living in there feeling it out taking things slow um you know trying to be scrappy spending money where we feel like it's important trying to enjoy the process uh there was a middle period where it started to look really different and right now I'm moving my hands back and forth to show you guys how different. Um, and that felt really not just like not for us. So it was sort of like when we kind of went through the classic stages of like, what does success look like? I remember like talking to Beth about this, you know, like, does it mean more money? Does it mean employees? Does it mean a fancy office? What does it mean? And it's really easy to think that is what it means. It should mean more jobs, bigger jobs more clients, more money, more employees, just more press, more, 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 more. And we were like, we hate doing this. Like whatever we used to do when we liked it, we're hating us. We would have to work on the computer. People want drawings from us. People want us to make decisions that we're not ready to make. We have to hand stuff over to people in a way that we don't feel confident about. Like all the good was kind of out of it. And then it was like oh god now we have to get out of this <laughs> now we have to climb back out of this hole to get back to where we were five years ago what a frustrating feeling um but i feel like we climbed out and we got right back where we were yeah because that's what I, I guess i was sort of getting to is that it's i was curious what that middle period was because it seems like you're almost back to doing what you had been doing originally but I, mm -hmm. as I can imagine and like I'm sure that you know you're you've gone through a period I mean you still might get this where you get so many people saying oh can you work on my project and my project and da, da, da. you know and that the sort of the natural I guess tendency in the way that we're encouraged to grow is that you scale you know like you get a team and you get staff and you you know do mm -hmm. all of those things whereas so is it now just pretty much you and Percy working on the project or do you have like a small team that helps you or what does your kind of business look like on the back end? It's me and Percy period. <laughs> um, I know. I mean, that, that, that was definitely it. It was like for, for, for so long, we've had more work coming in that we could ever take because we could take so little, you know, we could take maybe two projects a year. So that's, 
really small. It kind of worked out because it was like such a particular approach and not everybody's okay with saying, do whatever you want, you know? Um, and there's obviously times where there's a lot of requests and times where nobody's emailing you and stuff like that. But yeah, I think we fell into the pressure of like a smart person, a business savvy person, a successful person, whatever would would not just say no to every job. They would scale, they would hire people, they would figure it out. They would hire people to fill in the holes that they can't do, all that stuff. And so we tried, but um, I, I, still, I still find myself in situations where I'm talking to people who are good at all of that and running the business and I feel myself shrinking by the minute and I'm like I'm a failure why can't I do this like they can they they know how to like be successful in the way that everyone else sees as success and their hair smells nice and their clothes are perfect and all like those things you know um and I just I just really have to be like I that really wasn't making us happy and it's like, what, what's the point? Like, why did we even try? Why did we go through all the agony of not just having a job that you go to and get paid and you have health insurance? Like, if you're not going to have the ease of that, then we should at least enjoy this, like, as best we can. Um, so for us, it was, it was sort of like a moment of like, what is important? What is success for us? And it was like, I don't want to be distressed. I want to remember that I like doing this. I want to feel good about the work we're doing. And we don't need all the money in the world. We just need like enough, you know? Um, most days that, that still feels like the right choice. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, you know, commendable that you have kind of, you know, really listen to that intuition within or whatever it is within you that's sort of like saying, you know, no, this doesn't feel right. And you're sort of pursuing, you know, because I guess that's so often so many of us get into creative careers or jobs or whatever you want to call them, because we love what we do. And then sometimes you can get so far removed from the thing that you love that it's like you're you don't even have right. that anymore, you know, so you might as well have right. gone and become an investment banker or something. <laughs> it's, like, yes. it's like, oh, you're just doing emails and having meetings. Like it's about <laughs> something you like a little bit more, but is it, is it, yeah, that's how it felt. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I think it's really interesting that you sort of chosen that path. And so then do you mainly still do projects in New York state? Is that pretty much where you're based or do you do them all over the country or um, can you kind of give us a bit of an insight into the, the variety or the, the kind of scope of the projects that you're kind of working on at the moment? I mean, we've been working on this house upstate for the past four years. Um, in general, I think like the majority of our work has been upstate New York, big house projects that we've done in the past um we've done like some commercial work in philly and in new york and we've done plaster like all over the place but upstate new york does sort of seem to be the sweet spot for us to do work i think there's something about 
nobody's keeping tabs on you, which is really nice. Um, you could imagine based on pretty much everything I've said that we're not like, let's get permits and be organized and get the thing. We're like, let's just do whatever we feel like doing and hope nobody asks any questions. Um, but I mean, we were kind of doing some work in the city and then when the pandemic hit, it was like complete, we had some jobs lined up, you know, everything fell through and then it was like, we're working on the house. That's all we're doing. And then we've been filming our show about the house. So it's really just been like, that is, that is it. That's all we're working on. So before I do want to ask you about the show, but before we do, so can you just kind of give us a bit of an insight into, so what do you do on the houses and the projects and what does Percy do and how do you navigate working together so much um, Mm -hmm. in a very, you know, it's not like you're in an office and you're both at your laptops, that kind of work. I mean, this is like, (laughs) you're physically like in each other's space kind of all the time. How have you Mm -hmm. navigated that as well? Um, I mean, this, this recent project was definitely like the biggest project. So there was sort of a big, a really early stage that was like, I'm not helping. Um, you know, the house seemed to be gutted. The house had no heat, so no running water. We bought it in January. Um, it had to be totally gutted, all like insulated, heat put in, plumbing redone, electrical redone, new sheetrock, blah, 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 blah. Um, So that was definitely a time where I would like go up sometimes, but it was a really, it was a barely livable space. And that, I mean, in general, Percy does every single thing I wouldn't want to do. Um, All that kind of misery work, just he is incredibly capable of doing everything in my mind. Um, But how it breaks down is like he does a lot of that kind of front end and then when things kind of get more into the finishing stage it's like it's almost just like a tag team like you know if we're building kitchen cabinets he's building them and then sort of handing them over to me to like sand and prime and paint and obsess over like make sure they're perfect and the rooms are all sort of like that it's like whole kind of prep them out generally then hand it over to me and it's like okay then I do the painting and uh sanding and like I don't know more of like the finishing work that's kind of tiny you know um but it's it's just like a constant like back and forth it's like what are you working on today what are you doing it's like well I really want to paint the bathroom this week so if you could like fix that trim over the door I'm gonna paint it and I don't want to have to like caulk it twice and I got the lights in let's see how the lights are I don't know it's just sort of like a he does a ton and uh I think that (laughs) sorry I'm gonna like just get into me like pitting myself it's hard (laughs) for me sometimes um I'll skip that that chapter uh and I do like, you know, I do like all the sourcing for everything and furniture and like linens and tiny things and lamps and lights and looking for tiles and all that stuff. Um, but the design decisions are very joint. Like it's a conversation, a constant conversation. Um, I don't know. I guess it's just 
So many okay. couples, yeah, so many couples. I mean, I, I know that people sort of say like renovating a home is sort of one of those things that can turn to people to marriage counseling. And, you know, like, it's, you know, sometimes interior designers say like they're going to be marriage counselors almost like, you know, on projects. And, um, mm-hmm. but the fact that you guys work together, um, and I'm curious about, yeah, that dynamic, but also in terms of another thing that comes up a lot is that people can have maybe quite different styles. So what does he gravitate more towards with his style and you with yours and where does it meet? I feel like luckily for us, we've never, we like really sync up with our vision for the house and like usually like are really on the same page. I do feel like starting out, I mean, like if you had met when we met, my apartment was like very colorful and had a lot of like me stuff, fake flowers and gold telephones and like things like that. Um, And his place was, you know, more sparse, definitely more muted color palette. Um, but there was just, I think because we've always been like, what are we designing for that? Like, you know, when we had our first job upstate, I think we both felt like we were just both really in sync instantly with like what we wanted it to feel like. And I wasn't like, I want it to be colorful and he didn't or something. It was like, well, this makes sense for the space and we both can see that. And so it was it's always just been pretty much like an unspoken, like, oh, I can totally see that in here, totally kind of conversation. And when it's not, if it's like, I'm kind of feeling this and the other person's like, I don't know, then we just like, we just sit on it for a bit, you know, and somebody comes over to somebody else's side and it's never a problem. Yeah. And what about your, like how your style, I mean, you've sort of touched on how your style has evolved from, you know, when you were much younger in first apartments and, <laughs> and all of that kind of thing. But what about in, you know, like I said earlier on, like looking at this, um, this old Chatham firehouse, I mean, it still feels very, I'm not going to say on trend because like I just I really don't like that word but you know it it feels very you know of the moment as such you know like it doesn't it hasn't dated you know it's very timeless in that kind of sense and um you know looking at some of the other ones on your project like how has your style or your approach to homes how's that evolved over the years and even maybe how you furnish and what are you kind of are you still drawn to the same things or can you feel yourself moving towards you know other colors palettes you know what what's your vibe now Mm -hmm. I think I mean I think you saying that that feels of the moment I mean that was definitely always our main goal is like to make this timeless to make this not feel like it's from a decade which is really hard like it's definitely already happened I definitely look at our house from Philly and I'm like oh god it's from 2010 um it's hard to see outside of the moment, you know, what things will look like 10 years later. But we've always been trying to make work that will still feel good 20 years down the line, you know, 50 years down the line and not feel like it has a clear trend and 
oh, this is happening then and it's happening then. Um, I think, I think in a lot of the same ways, we are still like drawn to the same things like simple materials and the plaster really, the plaster really like sets such a similar mood kind of wherever it is. Like it is the thing that I think makes our work feel like our work. Like sometimes when we're doing a room, I'm like, I don't know. And then we plaster it. I'm like, oh, there it is. That, that looks right. Um, but I think we are kind of, pushing definitely more into color than we were on that old Chatham project. But I mean, that, that feels right for that house. You know, I don't know. It's one of those things. Um, but we were just super inspired by a trip to Sweden that we took for a job. I don't know, four years ago, maybe. Um, and that really opened up like this whole world of tempera, which has opened up like a whole world of, color and then just all of the like Sweden inspired interiors are they're really bold like they aren't just modern farmhouse plaster like simple they're like they go for it um and that was a really big inspiration for us and we had the time and we had the freedom with this house to like potentially screw up uh and so, yeah, I think we pushed harder than we would or like took more risks than we would on on a regular client job. Yeah, it's interesting what you say about the plaster and that sort of being the thread throughout your projects. For those of, you know, the listeners who haven't used plaster in their homes, like can you kind of just give what you love about it and what it adds to a space and, um yeah, any insights into the material itself and, and, you know, why you keep using it? Yeah. Um, I do feel like it's really transformative. I mean, it's funny because we just did the plaster at Hooker Green. And so, like, we showed up there and the house is, like, finished. Like, the walls are painted. It's completely fine to leave as it is. And my instinct is, like, kind of like, is it fine? Like, should we even do this? It looks pretty good already. Like, you know, um, there's always that part of me that wants to leave things as they are. Uh, but then it's like, you put the plaster up and it just, it really just transforms like the light in the room. It just goes from being like flat to just alive. And I don't know. It's, it's like, I never, I'm never sick of it. I'm never like, ugh, another plaster wall. It's like, it's always just, each one is unique. It's just beautiful. It's like, it just adds something that makes decorating the rest of the room just so much easier. And it's like, it, it blurs the edges. It's just, I don't know. And it's nice. Like, it feels nice like the product is really modest it's just like this dry plaster and we like mix it with pigment and water we mix it up and it's not it doesn't smell bad I don't know the whole thing it feels the same to me as a tempera where it's just sort of like it feels good doing it it looks good it, it all sort of I can never I don't know it's great though <laughs> and so what about the tempera tell us about that Okay, so the tempera, um, 
when we went to Sweden, our clients there, they were like, I really feel like we should stop by um, and like check out these tempera pigments. Uh, you know, if they're in town, maybe we could use them for the plaster. Sure, whatever. So we go into this woman's studio and she has like just like a string of all the samples up and they're just like just really beautiful colors like they they're all over the place but they work together you know it's just like in this tiny little like hut in Sweden it was just sort of like okay I'm, I'm pretty into this um and then she's like oh the the plastic the tempera colors are named after days of the year and I was just like I was completely in I was like I thought so much about doing a paint line and how I would do it. And I always was like, I want it to be percentages and then like the colors, not, not like just this. And then this, you know, kind of like a all over the place, like it's midnight blue from zero to a hundred. That's the thing. And that's, that's the system. And then this like days of the year thing, I was like, it's perfect. It's so perfect. And then like learning more about it, it's like the same sort of thing. So it's just pigment egg oil, linseed oil, and water. You mix it up. It's like, it goes bad in the fridge. It's like one of those types of things. Um, you can throw it in your compost pile. And it's just got that same feeling to me. Like when I mix it up, I'm just like, whatever my body likes about this, it's happening. I can feel it. This is like bringing me joy. This feels right for me I don't know what it is but we just were like we felt that feeling so much when we were in Sweden that time we were like whoa tempera holy crap this is the thing like this is big we can feel it and it's been such an inspiration to us I mean like the people who run the temper house at now are so sweet like we're in contact with them every conversation with them is just this like heartwarming creative love fest it just sort of, I don't know, it, it like, I'm so grateful that they introduced us to it and that it's in our lives. And like, for us, materials are really big. And so that really feels like a big thing. It's like, feels like the new thing, you know? So is that a, um, a color that you put on top of plaster or you put it on top of paint or can, like, can you explain it a little bit more? And is that to do with the stamping that you've been doing or is that something different? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so it's, it's basically paint. You can paint on wood, you can paint on your right. walls, you can paint over top of the plaster. Um, it's just paint, but it's just, to me, it, it kind of has that same quality of the plaster where like it's imperfect. Um, and it just has kind of, their colors to me, like we went into Gunilla's house. She's the, the one with the adorable studio. And like her house was like a Pharaoh and Ball catalog, Ca like painted purple fireplace, green walls, yellow trim, like it, absolutely insane. And it just worked. Like the colors are all with these like natural pigments. So even though this was, I would, this was such a bold move. It was like, this looks incredible. This is so sweet. Like, um, so there is just something about it where you're kind of like the same way I feel with the plaster. I'm like, you can't really go wrong. Like 
it's going to look great. We can definitely nitpick and worry and stress about it. But like at the end of the day, it's going to be great. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Yeah. That's my kind of theory with colors. I mean, I think that the Pharaoh and Bull color palette, like is you can choose any color and it will be right. Totally. (laughs) Mm Because it's like an edited selection of colors and I just think it makes it simplified. Yeah. So um, tell me about then how the TV show came about. So we had, we had had an article in the New York times like eight years ago, somehow that's the fact. Um, and after that, a lot of people reached out about doing TV and we had enough bad experience with that to be like, we're not doing TV. It's not for us. We can't like fit into this format that they want us to, which is like 12 renovations in a season or whatever the heck we're like, have you, have you seen us do anything? That's not going to (laughs) happen. Um, so like we tried a little bit and it was just not good. So we sort of were like, no, thank you. Um, cut to uh right before the pandemic they magnolia reached out because they were doing god i don't even know if it was magnolia at the time i guess it was um they were doing pov so it was like gonna be one episode like a different designer every episode and we were like that feels manageable like we'll do it we'll say we did it we'll just cross it off the list five days of our lives who cares um so they like we like filmed something for that like pre-pandemic and then the pandemic hit then we're like who cares and i was thinking about that and then i don't even know a year and a half later they reached out and they were like you you're gonna be in the show <laughs> like it probably wasn't a year and a half it was probably eight months later or something um they're like you're gonna be in the show they, they want to do an episode about you what are you guys gonna do and we were like oh god we're not ready um we didn't think this was happening um sort of like punted it for a while long story short they ended up coming like six months after that just to film the one episode and then when they came they were just very sweet very I felt very like seen by them respected by them definitely not how other shoots had felt and we left that feeling really good and then they came back and they were like we like really love the footage you guys are so uniquely yourselves on camera would you want to do a full series and it felt like if we were ever going to do it this is the time this is the people to do it with so we were like I was like we are going to need a lot of time is the problem like and they were like how much time do you need um and they were just down like they were down to give us time which nobody had been wanting to do before and they just seemed really yeah, they just seemed really to like respect our process and to want us to be us and not to want us to be somebody else. And we were working on the house full time and we're like, this is a way for us to just keep working on the house, get some money, able to just keep that focus and also just like capture this moment for ourselves. Like this is a really unique project and like worst case scenario, we have like a movie about our lives. Who cares? Let's do it. Um, so that was that was like my birthday two years ago or something. Um, and then they've been filming us since like last July. So it was like 18 months, I think. And I mean, it's, it's a weird process, but 
it was a really small production, so it was like pretty chill. And they really let us kind of like set the pace and dealt with us needing a thousand extensions. And um, I feel like I feel like we were in really good hands where they let us really voice our opinion a lot, which obviously we had lots of opinions. And I feel like they tried to listen to us the best they could. And um, definitely pushed us to work harder than we ever would have. I don't think we'd have ever finished the house without the show. <laughs> um, but yeah, the whole thing's just sort of been a whirlwind the past couple weeks, for sure. <laughs> so have you watched it? Yes. I feel like unlike most people, we were, we pushed so hard that like, we literally finished filming on a Monday and then the show aired on Tuesday. So wow. it was like, there wasn't like a, let's fly. It was like, okay, let's watch it. Um, and there was just a really crazy crescendo of like working, 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 working nonstop, filming it, then watching the show. And then just like a complete crash of energy of like it was a it's been very emotional (laughs) and are you happy Um, how it turned out I think I am now yes uh I think we just had to have kind of a period of oh god there's a show out it's us it's us in the house that we're currently living in that we're staring at as we watch the show like it was a very just like a weird meta universe moment where I felt really exposed and really critical of myself you know really hard not to be uh but I think just having some distance from it now I'm like I like it I feel like it's us everyone who watches it is like it is exactly how you guys are it feels so true to you I feel like more than a lot of shows it lets us get into the process which is like really what we wanted it to do to not make it look like another easy day, like to try to share to people that this takes time. We're learning as we go, the same as you are, we're struggling. It's not that we have like a magic wand and all the answers. It's just that we're dedicated to getting through the process of it sort of, and have the luxury of the time to do that. Uh, And I feel like all that's coming across, so. It feels good. Yeah. It, it's uh, Magnolia with Disney. Is that who it's like? I'm just wondering in Australia. I have to look it up I to see how, to how people within Australia can, can watch it. I mean, it's a very international listener base for the for the show, but we'll have to see if we can find a few different ways that people can can listen. Oh, sorry, watch it because I would, I would love to see it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was people saying to my husband the other day. I... No, go ahead, go ahead. So I was just going to say, I mean, the other day I said to my husband, like, I would love to kind of watch some kind of home, like interiors kind of show, but so many of them are like, it's just not my cup of tea, you know, like, it's just, it's not my, like, I'm, you know, I love interiors. I love homes. And it's, it seems so hard for there to be a show that's not like, Hey, and there it is. Totally. <laughs> you know? Like, know. Hey, we just did this. <laughs> you know, we've got this unlimited budget or we've got this thing or whatever it is. So yeah. um yeah, yeah. It's it, I'd be really interesting to watch and just something that feels a little bit more real in some way, without sort of being 
but still being beautiful and inspiring and <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so mm-hmm. um anyway we'll definitely have to find now i have to ask before i get on to the last little batch of batch of questions that i always ask everyone um so can you just shine a little bit of a light on your process i mean i mean you've touched on obviously that you uh, are both very immersive and you go into these projects and but in terms of i guess more like your process of like doing the design of the home i know mm-hmm. so many people really struggle with decision making when it comes mm-hmm. to doing their own interiors and having that confidence to make decisions um what are some of the things that you've learned over the course of the years of doing you know a whole bunch of different homes like what what have you learned about the design process that might be helpful to others first i, I just want to i mean first i just want to say that we we absolutely struggle like that is very real, especially in this project without, without the client and sort of with a, you can do whatever you want. Like you could really do whatever you want. Um, I felt totally overwhelmed. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's taken us a really long time. And I think one thing that we always do is like, we just give ourselves time. Um <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like we probably didn't even start making any design decisions for a year. Just sort of let's get this to a place where we could even start. Um, That being said, I mean, we're always looking for clues from the house for sure. Uh, I think, again, in this renovation, it was really interesting because like the upstairs was we were kind of able to put it back together, like use the old trim and. The floors didn't need to get changed. So that had something to tell us, you know, but the downstairs really just had to get totally redone. It had like tiny vinyl windows and it was just like a no. Um, And so that, that needed like a whole new language for itself. And that was really hard. Like, it's like, what should the trim be? Oh God, what should the floors be? Where should the kitchen be where should the wood stove go it was just it is like an endless 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 decision machine as I'm sure you know and we just I mean really our process is like to try to get inspiration that feels like something we can grasp not like a loose term but like something you can sort of plug into like a scene from a movie or like a place in Gotland that we went or like a feeling something gave you or like three photos that you're like, that's the thing, like something you can really return back to and like feel to like check yourself. Like, is this, does this make sense for this? Am I on the right page? Have I gotten distracted by something I saw on Instagram? Like, and to revisit, like, I mean, we have like a whole Pinterest page for the house, but you know, I would scroll back through it. Are we doing this anymore? Or, or have I started to design a different house? And is a different house what the house should be? Or is this what the house should be? Kind of a constant coming back to. Um, then just like a trust. Like, if you're feeling something about this room, there is no answer. So if you have any feeling let's use it. Like it could be anything. So if you have some feeling, let's go with it. Let's like definitely sit with it and continue to like ask if it feels right. Not just like on some Tuesday, but to trust yourself and go with it. And 
then it's really just like the muddling through. And for me, especially, it's the trusting yourself enough to get through to the end. Because there's always a point for me, like 70% of the way in, where I'm like, this is going to be stupid. I don't, I don't think this looks good. We should do something different. We should have done a different whatever, everything. Um, and on projects in the past, there have been times where I will veer completely off because of that and then like have to re-get back on the road. Um, so yeah, just kind of finishing, letting yourself, like trusting the, yourself to be like, I felt sure enough to get this far. Let's just get to the end and look at it then. And most of the time you get to the end and you're like, whatever I was worrying about is totally fine. Whether it was some enormous decision in the room or some tiny stupid detail about like how the, the countertop gets finished or, you know, things you agonize over, like they all, they're all usually fine. <laughs> um, but that's the process. It's very, a lot of like in the moment, looking at things, Percy, like cutting a piece of trim, kind of holding it up. Should it be this big? Should it be the two inch piece? Should it be the one inch piece? Just kind of like every, just plodding along. Yeah. So I, I, I'm taking it and I love that. Like, I, I love the fact that, you know, very much like with your business, you've kind of taken this slow approach of no, we're not going to like super speed our business to this next level. We're going to take our time, do what feels good. And it's like you use that slow approach for your homes, which I think so often we're in a hurry to like, oh, I've, you know, like we're going to renovate this in six months. And I know that time is money as well. Like I know that that can be the case sometimes, particularly if you've got contractors on site or, or whatever. But but there mm -hmm. is also this like there's, there's value in in taking your time as well to to make decisions, whether you can do that ahead of time before you start a project or, you know, whatever it is, not being in such a rush to to kind of rip everything out and quickly do everything. And um, so, yeah, I think that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I, I was going to say, I, I mean, I take it that you're not like using project management tool. I mean, are you using things like CAD or anything <laughs> like that? Or it, it's more like, you know, instinctual in real life in the moment. Yeah, kind of no, envisaging. it's nothing. Yeah. It's like a wallpaper sample on the wall and like, and like a box of lights upstairs that I've like sort of bought with the house in mind, but have no idea where anything's going. I mean, it's almost to a detrimental point at this point. Like, I think I could, I could probably get a little more organized and like plan ahead a little bit so that at the end of every project, we're not like, oh God, we don't have a coffee table or a sofa or a light. Like I'm, stupid sometimes but um yeah it's it's very if if someone had to come in and pick up halfway that poor person because there's no map <laughs> <laughs> well it's all very organic and it's obviously working for you so um yeah I I don't think you should be trying to change it up too much <laughs> maybe um, just like a tiny a tiny tweak yeah 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 <laughs> um, maybe now now, before I get into those final questions, sorry, there is one last thing I did want to ask you about, which was um, Instagram. I mean, obviously, you know, it's such a great tool for marketing and it's something that I often ask guests on um, the show because I think that it's something that there's so much inspiration, but also so much overwhelm with Instagram. You know, when you've got a mm -hmm. business, you're sort of, um, you're selling a product or service. It's such a great marketing tool, but it can also be such a great time suck. 
you know, how do you choose to show up on Instagram? What do you choose to share? You know, I, do you try and have a level of consistency with it or, you know, what's your approach? I'm just really curious, particularly given that you do, you know, like create with such integrity and in a very way that feels authentic for you. So what, what feels good for you with Instagram? Mm. I mean, the Instagram thing is such a whole, such a whole conversation um, that I've had with so many creatives and the agony of it paired with the like, this is sort of how I got my whole beginning. Um, It's an interesting relationship. Mine is very much like everything else. uh, No plans no method, no schedule, no anything. At most, just like a guilt level that builds up where I'm like, I have to post something. Um, That's really the only like metric that's working. But I, um, I'm definitely someone who falls into the trap of compare and despair and looks at things on Instagram and gets in my head about it and wonders why our work looks like it, how it looks and shouldn't look different. And shouldn't I look different and shouldn't everything be different? And why aren't we on a beach? And like, you know, the whole trap of Instagram I am a sucker for. So last year, actually last new year's, I sort of was trying to like be intentional about it. Like, how can I have this in my life? and not feel constantly guilty about it, that I'm not doing it right, whatever that means. Um, so at the time, it was sort of like the intention was to post once a week and then to this like be free of the guilt, sort of like flossing. Just like, you did it. Now you don't need to feel bad about it. Um, I definitely don't do that. I, I barely post anything, especially with the show. It was like, are we supposed to? I don't know. I don't really want someone like lawyer to call me up because I don't think we're supposed to post anything. Um, I kind of just try to post something when I feel like I have something I want to share and something I want to say. And so no one thinks we've completely dropped off the planet, but it's, uh, I, I feel like people are very, very sweet and supportive to us. Like, I don't have a negative relationship with it in that way. Like no one, I do feel like whatever community we have on there is like very kind and loving and nice. And sometimes when we're upstate, especially it's actually like, I do feel that helping me like, okay, okay. Some people are cheering us on up here because we feel pretty isolated. Um, But yeah, I just, I kind of just try to feel how I feel about it and do it like I do with everything else. Just trust it. I don't know. Well, it's it an certainly ongoing relationship. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it certainly doesn't seem to have done you any harm in terms of not posting regularly. I mean, clearly, you know, you guys are got enough work and, you know, I mm-hmm. think if that's looking after itself, then, <clears throat> um, then yeah, you know, it's probably a good place to be in that you don't need to have to be reliant on it. And, um, yeah, you've, you've got enough to sustain you and yeah, all, all of that that comes with it. So yeah. All right. Well, let's but it get is into real. The... I mean, like, oh yeah. 
okay. I just want to say, I mean, people have reached out to me and been like, <clears throat> I'm starting a business. What should I do with Instagram? How much should I post? What days should I post? All this stuff. And I'm like, oof, I don't know. I mean, I think people really can fall into a trap. It's hard because it ends up being your only advertising source, especially if you're really like selling goods. I think a lot of times um, it's really tough because you're like, if I don't do this, I'm just like shouting in the woods or whatever. Um, I don't know. I, I do. I do just sort of like hope for, I've talked to enough people who are like, I sort of feel trapped and I'm curious, like, what happens next you know mm. I do think that it's <clears throat> the whole landscape of it is is changing and evolving and I think I don't know I, I think that we're going to start to see some different things happening I mean I'm not saying TikTok or anything like that but you know like I think that <laughs> I, I think there will be it's like I think there's enough frustration with it that something mm. new will evolve I don't know what that is just now but I think that um, I mean, that's why I love about podcasts, you know, I mean, obviously it's very different format, but the fact that you can kind of, I mean, I love listening to them. I, I love interviewing people, you know, that you can get this insight into people's lives. that's genuine and, you know, heartfelt mm -hmm. and it's not about, you know, surface stuff as such, you know what I mean? Like which Instagram can feel very much like that. So it's a different way to connect. And I mean, podcasts are doing great. So I, I don't know who knows what that next thing will be, but yeah. Um, I think we'll all be ready for it. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I feel the same way. It's like, what will the change be? I don't know. Something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm taking up a lot of your time and I know it's getting late there. So I've just got these last questions that I ask everyone. Mm -hmm. So um want to um, just dive into those. Um, so just whatever first thing that comes to mind, which five words best describe you? I was really hoping this would be one you skip. <laughs> <laughs> this is a terrible task. Who can do this? Um, I, I, I can't even bring myself to read what I wrote down. I'm sure that means something about me. I don't know if I can do it. It's so hard to say. You feel like you're bragging or you're like making yourself sound miserable or something. <laughs> Uh, I, I can't, I okay, can't well, do it. How, well, what would Percy say? <laughs> what would Percy say? About me? Yeah. Oh, you know, um, oh God, my, my whole body's in pain. Um, <laughs> um, I God, I can't do it. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, maybe you can email I, me. I get so close, but I can't, I can't for my long time. That's so funny. That's so funny. Well, let's let's start with humble. The therapy session waiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's maybe um, authentic, humble, authentic, funny. There you go. There's three. Great. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. What's the best lesson you've learned? I think that for us, definitely the the big lesson in everything seems to be like the power of trusting yourself. I remember when they came to us for the show, they were so like, it's really, it's really beautiful to see you guys are just so yourselves on camera. And we were like, well, how else would we be? I don't even understand what you're talking about really. Um, and I don't know, there was just this feeling of like, 
as much as you doubt yourself, you being me, um, if you hadn't trusted yourself, if you hadn't been you, if you hadn't done this process in this way that you guys do, like there wouldn't be a story to tell. And because you did all those things, even though people doubted you or you lost money or you looked unprofessional or you could have done it differently. It was like this way that is true to you is like what makes it interesting. And it's like, it feels like it's like a children's book lesson, but it I really like felt it that day they called us. I was like, it's because we're being us. Like, um, and yeah, that's, that's a huge, that's, that's for everything, you know, like, in all your moments of doubt, it's like, what, what else would be better than me just being myself and trying to be true to that and seeing the power of what happens when you do that has been incredibly rewarding. Yeah. I think that's also, I sort of was thinking before, like, it's interesting, you know, like you don't really do social media, you know, you do these really long <laughs> projects, like you kind of do everything contrary to what like, you know, convention says, this is how you should do interiors or homes or, or whatever. And yet I think it's for that very reason, because you don't do those things. I think that's the reason that you've had success. Do you know what I mean? And and this is, I don't know if you've got my book, This Is Home, but I've got this book that I wrote and it was really about trying to distill, like what is it that makes a house feel like a home? And like I, mm-hmm. I, I like went off on all these, t- like the history of the home, psychology, <laughs> philosophy, all these things, like trying to understand, like why do we need a home? Like why do we need to express ourselves in our home? And it's, you know, because we're so, it's so important that like that's where we can be ourselves, you know? And if you can't be yourself, and if you can't express yourself in your home, then it's such a disservice to you. But yet it's so hard to do. Like for so many people, it's, you know, trying to create, you know, a home to impress other people or a home that they want to mm-hmm. resell or, what you know, whatever it is. Like, you know, so many of these other reasons. And I think to, yeah, and I sort of was looking at like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and this self-actualization, yeah. like the, and, and that's kind of what you are, like, what you do like you're the truest expression of you and I think that is the kind of again like the secret to your success in a way you know I mean it's such a trite marketing term but it's you know I think that's so much underpins of like why you've able to do you know and had you know the New York Times write about you and design sponge feature you and a tv show want to do a program about you you know like by other stretch of the imagination like those things shouldn't happen in some ways because it's like Mm -hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. you're not, you know, the kind of conventional, you know, interior designer in that sort of sense. But I think that's the appeal. So, yeah, it's just interesting right. to hear you reflect on that because I can really see that. And I think it's it's so hard sometimes, particularly in, you know, the world it is, as it is now with social media and Instagram and all of these things where, you know, it's it's so easy to like look at what that person's doing and that person and, and yet mm-hmm. it's... um. But when you can be true to yourself, when you can stay in integrity with yourself, like that's where your power is. Anyway, that's what I think. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, that's what I think. And it's not it's not like a straight line. It's not like, and now I know the power of being myself and I never doubt it or stray from it. It's like, it's just the constant struggle. But like when you're doing it, it's like that's when, that's when the things are happening. And 
and and totally it, it's like if we were just regular designers who cares like so that's that's really what i end up feeling like it's like whatever is the thing that is is maybe potentially making you feel the most out of place like that's the thing <laughs> that's yeah. where the magic's at yeah Sorry, big tangent there. What, what's your... No, I love it. I'm in no rush to leave. We can talk for a while. Um, what's your proudest achievement? Mm. Let me re- look at my notes. Let's see. What did I write down at the time? Mm. Okay. So, um, I mean, what I wrote down was that like nothing hits like the early success. Like, I feel like there are things that again in the same format i should say as my answer my proudest achievement is when the tv show aired my proudest achievement is the new york times article but it's sort of just like the joy of childhood like where you can't capture like a feeling of you at five waking up on christmas morning you know like the early achievement and success was insane feeling like when Design Sponge featured our house, it was like, oh my God, like we won the lottery. I mean, just an unreal feeling. When we got our first job, just a high, like, and so I don't know. I feel like the achievement really, it doesn't feel like, it It feels like making it happen at all was the biggest achievement. And those early days of like succeeding and actually getting to do the thing, that that felt enormous yeah no I can relate to that too um what's been your best decision um I think like really distilled down probably just quitting that job 15 years ago or whatever and just getting off of that track super early which then led me to moving to Philly which then led me to meeting Percy which led me to being completely available to do anything in the world and just like you know that was kind of what set it off and I think without my dear friend Doreen um I don't think I would have thought about I would have just probably stayed there gotten a different job like I think I would be on a completely different path and that felt like the beginning of all of it yeah so great who's inspiring you right now um um i feel like i'm not a good designer in the way that i should be where i'm gonna like spout out like five artists that like have a show right now that i love but um i think i i don't know i mean i'm i'm back in new york right now we've been upstate for months and months so i'm back in the city which is for me very energizing and I'm just like feeling so inspired by just like everyone like I went to get a facial and like my dear facialist Carrie Lindsay we had this like talk and we like set intentions and I was just like oh my god I feel incredible and alive and went to dinner with friends and met some strangers like I'm just feeling inspired by just like human interaction (laughs) and just I don't know, like the possibility of what's next. Like, I don't, I'm not feeling like 
this piece is really moving me. I'm just sort of feeling like buzzing of possibility, which um, I mean, feels feels incredible. Like that the house at the end of this project has gotten very heavy, like really just a lot of work. And it feels really exciting to kind of feel like the buzz of the fresh thing. So that's that's really what's inspiring me. That's good. Good. Uh, what are you passionate about? Um, I think I'm passionate about just trying to create a life that I like, that I like on a day-to-day basis, that feels fulfilling, that, that feels sort of like the top of the pyramid. And then all the other stuff kind of fills in. <laughs> What dream do you still want to fulfill? Hmm. Um, my current dream is to buy something in the city, which would be big. <laughs> uh, that feels like too practical of a dream, though. That and maybe like maybe just a, a brief stint on Broadway or a, a brief singing career when I'm 55 or something you know I I love that you've still got that in you that's uh, that's so good there's there's something in there you never know how it's going to come out (laughs) maybe your next tv show will be a musical version of the home (laughs) probably yeah I think Bruce will be down for that (laughs) um what are you reading at the moment like on your nightstand or your um coffee table what are you reading Mm. anything on my nightstand right now is Fleischman is in Trouble, which they just made into a Netflix show, and a copy of Jitterbug Perfume by Tom Robbins, classic. Um, other things just to recommend for people, Pure Color, if you haven't read it, I feel like it's like, I feel like everyone's seen it. It has this really great cover with this big like green blob on it um, by Sheila Hetty. Highly recommend Highly recommend trying to read it in like one long afternoon because it's short and it's weird, uh, and it, but it's really beautiful. And I think eaten in one sitting would be ideal. Um, also, oh God, what is it called? Um, uh, A Heart That Works by Rob Delaney. It's about his son that died. Um, and it's just really beautiful and... I've thought about it a lot since I read it and I've seen like quotes and he's been doing talk shows and yeah, it's it's also worth a read. Also, I read The Signature of All Things by Elizabeth Gilbert, which I feel like people are like, Elizabeth Gilbert, really, dude? It's incredible. It's so good. It's a long, like epic story that you can really like get into and like be in for a couple weeks. And I also really, really recommend that. Is that her most recent fiction one? It's sort of like women in the 30s or something? Is it that one or is it older no, one? No, it's like the one before that. It's it's probably like 10 years old, honestly. Okay. Um, it's like I bought it and I just never read it. Classic. Um, but I finally read it and it's great. And Percy read it and we were both like, whoa, this is just trans, like transports you, sucks you right in. 
talks about plants and botany and like it's really oh good. yes yeah, yeah 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 i know the one you're talking yeah. about i haven't read that one yet yeah um what about what are you listening to do you listen to podcasts otherwise music what what do you enjoy listening to um i feel like i've been listening to like the same playlist for about two years probably one of those situations um god i don't know i mean i feel like my spotify like wrapped is the exact same as it was last year it's like Beach Boys, The Zombies, ELO, David Bowie. It's just like the same music, which that I love, that I love. Um, but uh, it's not something I've had a time. And plus, I'm just getting so stuck in my ways, but not something I've been exploring. I, I could definitely use some young person to come be like, why don't you listen to this? Um, and now it's Christmas. So honestly, I'm listening to like Phil Spector's Christmas and and all the classics so nothing nothing cool to report here on that front <laughs> and finally what piece of advice would you give to your younger self mm. hmm. I was just talking to my friend I don't know if you watched or if you even can watch um stuff I don't know if I'm even saying that right anymore it's like Jonah Hill's new movie about his therapist very interesting yeah, I, yeah okay I haven't um, seen it, but I've 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 saw an article about it. I haven't watched yeah. it yet. So there's like this whole thing about like your shadow and your shadow is sort of like the part of you that you want to hide, which sort of feels very related to like some version of your childhood self. Um, so we were just talking about this and also just giving advice to, to youth in general. Um, and the overall feeling was just like, I feel kind of like I was saying at the beginning, like, I just feel like you don't realize that like your world is really small a lot of the times when you're a kid, because it's just whatever is around you. And a lot of times that's not that much. And like, maybe it's what you're interested in if you're lucky, but a lot of times it's not. And it's like, you want to just go up to like me, the kid version of me or any kid and just be like, there is so much like there's so much out there like so many more people so many more things jobs you've never heard of like places you've never heard of like however you're feeling right now like don't even worry about it like because you're probably feeling kind of bad and lonely and worried and clueless and whatever and like you know it's all just I feel like there's so much more than you even realize and I feel like kid me would be like, look at you in the city with a boyfriend and like a cool job. Like, you know, the bar is so low when you're little. Um, so yeah, I think I would just kind of give her a big hug and be like, don't be afraid to be a weirdo. Don't be afraid to be the one singing Barbara Streisand, even though everybody's making fun of you. It's fine. And like, you have no idea what's coming. Just, go for it really go for it and she'd probably just roll her eyes at me and yeah no that's, that's yeah so true so true well thank you so much I have loved like hearing your story and um yeah all of it it's been really great so I really appreciate you taking the time out of your evening to to chat to me and share more about it and yeah definitely going to try and find a way to watch that show looking forward yeah. to it and yeah all of the things 
it was so nice chatting. I just wish we were in real life with wine and that it wasn't just me talking 95% of the time, but sometimes I let you talk because this feels very gratuitous, but it was, it was lovely. Thank you. Thanks for letting me blabber on. All of the links and info for this episode are at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can get a direct download of the latest episode. And I really appreciate when you take a minute to rate and review, as well as share the love with someone you know who might benefit from this episode or on social media. If you'd like to access a range of free resources, come visit my website, nataliewalton.com. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast. And I would also like to acknowledge the people of the Bundjalung Nation where it was recorded and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint. Imprint.